Josh here with a quick word from the Blanket Fort. Welcome to Geocaching Scripture. Thanks for tuning in. Um, so this is kind of a unique episode. Um, I was privileged to interview somebody that I work um, sort of with. I work uh, in as a copywriter for a marketing, uh, not a marketing, uh, a finance company. And um, I work in the marketing end of that, who was able to sit down with me um, and talk about faith and wealth, and I just think it's a really cool connection. Um, bit of a step to the side um, with our usual show, but I thought you guys would really like it. And he is—he um, works in private client services, which is um, often works with pretty high-end, um, wealthy families and individuals. And he also uh, is what you call a CAP, which is a certified advisor in philanthropy. Um, which, you know, he's helping to arrange those, um, you know, people paying money to buy the wing of a hospital and, or pay, you know, donate money to start a school or start a foundation, that kind of thing. This is what Paul works in. So, and he loves Jesus. So, I mean, how cool is that? So it's just a bunch of really cool connections. And, um, I thought you guys would think it was pretty cool for my guest star series. And so I'm going to stop talking and I'll roll the interview. And my guest here today is Paul West, and Paul is a managing partner uh, for Carson Wealth, Carson Group, all of it, um, and he works in all levels of wealth, all levels of clients, um, all over the country or the world? Uh, country. We're going to stick domestically at the moment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And deals also in private client services, so he deals with um, very... Um, high-end work with um, clients in the multiple millions um, and is also a CAP and he can explain to you better than I can what a CAP is. Go. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's your form of a question, Josh. So, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I think this will be a lot of fun. And yeah, I mean, so yeah, I work with people with private client services, but it's all generations of a family for people that make a lot or people that have a little. Um, and I've been doing it for a little over 20 years, Josh. Uh, looks like you've been growing your beard for 20 years. So congrats to you. On that it's success. my quarantine project. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. Well, looking good. Uh, but yeah. So, I mean, I'm in the business of providing advice for a living. Uh, and most people think of, a, advisors help you manage money. Um, but the reality is, is we help manage wealth. And part of that is helping people live a fulfilled life. And part of living a fulfilled life is figuring out how do we feel better? And a big way we feel better is, yes, our faith. Um, money can make us feel safe. It doesn't always make us feel better. So one of the things I did is I give advice all day long and I love to give charitable advice, but a lot of times it's, I'm going to call it quantitative in nature, meaning people are worried about the tax benefit. Well, if I donate, am I going to get a tax deduction or not? If I look at that, um, but really giving is both quantitative and qualitative. So I'm also a CAP, which stands for a chartered advisor in philanthropy. And so there's the CAP part for you. <laughs> And so that's a designation I got because I do believe in continuous learning. And I want to help our families think through 
uh, whether it's dollars, uh, whether it's structure, whether it's timing, uh, whether it's impact, all of those things. Um, and I think back, and maybe I'm going to ask you questions. That's maybe that's how we'll do the, the, oh, the there you go. podcast today. <laughs> think about your life, Josh. Is, is if you think about if you had a chance to take advantage of an opportunity, or if you could gift it to someone else. Yeah, and maybe something you really wanted to do. Maybe for a golfer, they go play a really cool golf course. Or maybe if you go to a concert you've always wanted to go to, but you knew someone else that also had that equal passion for that, you know, fun activity. Mm-hmm. And if you gave up your slot for someone else, I bet you would actually feel better mm-hmm. than if you took it yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, those are the things and those are the parts that uh, I think a lot of people – I'm not saying don't enjoy things because we, we still have to fill our own buckets, but uh, there's a lot of value that comes along with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think the, um, there, there is a, a popular stereotype of, of wealthy, wealthy people, um, sometimes perpetuated in the media, sometimes perpetuated in the church as, as fueled by greed as, as, um, Largely negative. Um, how do you respond to that? I mean, having known, you know, you have a niche in the sense of you you have walked in the circles with these extremely wealthy people that most of us see on the news. <laughs> and, sure. and you know, you've gone to these people's kids' birthday parties. You know these people. Um, how, do you, how do you respond to that, that understanding? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say part of you are right, part of you are wrong. So there's definitely going to be people out there that created your perceptions and perceptions happen for a reason, right? We get this image in our mind um, and that's what happens. I will tell you the reality is, is most people actually do have a charitable intent or have some form of uh, mission that's driven them. Uh, But sometimes it needs to be pulled out of their emotion. They, They kept it stuck down because they had to, in their business because they, they had a business motive and business success. So people saw that side of that individual or family. Uh, but then they become, I don't want to say transformational, but they're really shifting their internal motivations to other things. And for me, you know, that that's really fun to watch. Um, and, you know, I always say wealth is a tool for people, um, but wealth doesn't have to be a number. So whether you give $10 to your church or $10 million, I don't care. Um, I'm personally like on my church's board, finance board, and um, you know every donation matters because every donation has to be the word meaningful uh, to the person that contributes it. So you're right. There are a few people that uh, have no, uh, I'll call it philanthropic bone in their body, Josh, but they're all outliers, right? Is like at the end of the day, I get teased um, by my children, so I hope they listen to this, that uh, <laughs> on my Twitter handle, it says my glass is always half full. Well, that's said for a reason, because I just, I refuse to spend time with negative energy people. It's just not, and so I look at, if somebody's negative on the philanthropic front, it's not important to them, that's okay. That's their life choice. But maybe for me, and one, if I want to help coach them, and I know they're that, I just don't spend any time in that subject matter with that family. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. 
And I also say there's something that's interesting is, is, and I think a lot of us and me too, before I really got deep with people is I'm actually going to tell you sometimes that level of wealth has a burden is, is strong. I mean, if you think about it this way is you may say to yourself, I mean, look, look at what you're associated with Josh. You may say, Oh, I can't believe so-and-so won't donate to us. But what you don't realize is, is they have 412 other great causes also asking them. Right. And at some point, it's just impossible. They're not Gumby, right? You can't do all of that. Uh, but it, so there is a little bit of a burden that comes along with it. Um, and that's why I look at it again, the quantitative and qualitative is I also look at individuals and families that have a process. And maybe you can help me with this with people you know, is when families sit down and say, hey, it's December or January. Here are the charities that we personally want to support this year. Again, ignore the number. They have a process. So that means they're talking through who do they want to help versus a uh, um, gentleman helped me write a blog sometime about peanut butter philanthropy and spreading it all <laughs> over the place, which yes. was you, Josh. Uh, uh, is that, that, that's harder. And get, by the way, that's how most people behave. Uh, they like to spread a little bit of their joy and love to everywhere. Uh, I will tell you, uh, we, we see this, you get a deeper feeling of satisfaction if you, you pick a few mm. and get more involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I think the, uh, yeah, the peanut butter philanthropy is always a temptation because it sort of runs on diffuse emotion. You don't really have uh, a specific, okay, I'm going to support this. For this amount, here's the plan. I'm going to put it together. Yeah, you don't. Um, and that's where uh, you know, sitting down and being reflective, but maybe we need to use this time of COVID is to reevaluate like all of our um, charitable partners or where we like to give our time. I know um, I was thinking about, you know, there's like we at Carson, we did a, a food bank drive the other day, but we couldn't actually go to the food bank. We had to collect, the, you know, deliver them all someplace and right. that type of thing. So my thought process is always, you know, help think through where you're most passionate about. Um, and for those of you that have children, especially uh, getting them involved, Josh, mm -hmm. earlier, uh, having them even go through experiences, of, you know, participate, whether it's, taking cans to the food bank or, you know, volunteering to prepare meals, uh, volunteering for the Red Cross, the Salvation Army, just simple things as donating blood. Uh, the earlier, of course, you engage people, uh, the more it becomes part of their values. And I will tell you, one of the things um, I get a watch from my chair of working with families and talk about multi-generations, and you know, for those of you listening is when you get older in life, right, you get wiser, right? Or at least we think we do. Our, our, our memory, yeah, life, right? Life experiences. So what do we, when we get later in life, the biggest thing we want to transfer isn't necessarily wealth in terms of dollars. It's wealth in terms of values. And as you get a chance to reflect later in life, did I transfer on the values I wanted to? A hard work ethic. 
mm-hmm. a charitable intent, um, taking care of family, whatever those most important things are uh, to you, I think that's where uh, life experience to say, okay, well, did I, did I really transfer the values I wanted to transfer to my families, to my friends, and you know, to my faith? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I, and I think part of the, maybe the burden um, or the thought in here is, is especially for a, a very wealthy part of the population, they don't have, like the rest of us have, needs. There is not a pressing, they don't have to work. They don't have to do this. Retirement's funded. Housing is funded. It's taken care of. So the temp- I, I imagine for people of faith sometimes that, that is, it's hard for them to, um, it can be hard on their discipleship. It can be hard on shaping them into the image of Christ um, because there's, there's not a have to. They're kind of miles away from all that. So does that, does that make um, sense? I'm not sure what type of question that was, but I think you know where you want me to So I disagree. Well, I disagree with you a little bit here. So okay. uh, I, I think they still have needs. They're just different iterations of needs. Maybe they don't. They don't have the pressure of putting food on the table, right. keeping a roof on our head. So let's think about Maslow's basic hierarchy of needs here. Right. They don't have those pressures, uh, but they still have family pressures. Do we like each other? Can we get along? Uh, can we sit around the Thanksgiving table together um, and enjoy all of those things? Uh, I, I think the challenge comes for people is uh, keeping their faith um, because uh, – it really, for me, yes, there's a dollar amount and a very old adage of here is keeping up with the Joneses, right? It's one of the biggest fears and concerns I have uh, is a lot of people are more worried about what what does their neighbor think of them than what do they think of their self. Mm-hmm. So I need to go out and get the best car, the best house, or um, have uh, fixed symbols that you know, say I am better than other people. Uh, I can tell you in my chair I sit in, uh, there's a lot of places where the family, um, not literally, this is figuratively here, the family has no clothes. I mean, in terms of they, they, they drive uh, fancy cars or they have a big house. Um, and they, what was that famous commercial? I've got debt up to my eyeballs. Uh, the old lady said it there. So... <laughs> Don't worry about that. So, and, and I share what I disagree with you is because they still have needs. The problem is, is they've let their wants maybe eclipse their needs mm-hmm. to a level that isn't good. So now they, they've sacrificed something, which is often their faith life. Um, and that's why I like to talk about them figuring out their reflective mode. And mm-hmm. um, I'm not even sure uh, which denomination you are, uh, Josh. And so it's, like for me, it's it's harder for me. Yes, my faith is is like I'm still watching my church service on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, it's good, but it's not great. It's still for me. It's not the same experience. I'm a right. I'm a collaboration person. I just I like to be around people. Mm-hmm. Uh, since the beginning of the human species, we've been uh, uh, or uh, civilization that likes to 
you know, collect and gather. Yep. Uh, and so for all of us, I think we're all struggling a little bit. And if I'm talking too much, you can tell me. I no, get excited. No, no, no. Please, <laughs> you know. go, 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 go. Uh, but what I don't want us to do is I don't want us to forget right now. Josh, if you're in a period of stress, mm-hmm. maybe you have job loss or you don't have enough money right now or your business is down or your family's sick or you have someone with COVID, what do you do? You pray and you're relying on your faith, mm-hmm. right? But in these periods of stress, many people leave. I'm not going to say leave the faith permanently, but they're not worried about it. They don't attend service or they don't donate. But shouldn't we be trying to also help our faith or our charitable partners who are there for us? Well, right now here in 2020, these are the people that also need our support more than ever before because we're stressed. Mm-hmm. Well, don't you think they are too? because they probably have more people calling them who are scared, fearful, um, sick, uh, families at risk. Uh, you know, we're all, we're all getting used to this new normal of everybody living under <laughs> one roof together. Yeah. Uh, yep. so that, that part for me, and I hope, I hope people can, um, take advantage of, you know, that this is a time where they could actually get more involved or make the personal reflective commitment. Like, um, the Lord showed me that, Hey, now is a time that I need to commit to get more involved. I'm I'm, I'm a man. So like, should I get more involved in my men's club or my Knights Mm -hmm. of Columbus or on my board or whatever those types of things in. Um, and I think that again, no matter your level of wealth, uh, we all have opportunities to give back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've had I have a uh, a group of guys. We get together once a month, and we um, we we usually get together at a at a bar, and we talk about theology. And so we call it "What Would Jesus Brew." And uh, this last month, we met for "What Would Jesus Zoom," because <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was all we could pull off. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm assuming Jesus uh, can keep a brew next to a Zoom at the same time. <laughs> Well, he certainly did in that meeting. <laughs> if we were any indication. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think of like um, an example um, of from scripture, which is kind of interesting to me, is Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph of Arimathea, his name is a mouthful, but he, um, he was the one who donated his grave to be used by Jesus, um, which meant that he was part of the upper class of society. He was a member of the ruling council. Um, he actually had kept his his um, interest in Jesus a secret for PR reasons, kind of. Um, and but then he he makes this donation, and he's actually the one who stands up to Pilate and says he has enough clout in the community to say, "Give me the body of Jesus. I will bury it myself." Um, and then the next, the last time we see him, actually, he's actually dressing the body himself, which is the slave's work, which is very interesting that he would, he would uh, be along that whole, that whole spectrum. So he's, he's using his connections, he's using his power, he's using his money, but then he's also serving right there. Um, so I think that's just interesting to see, you know, where, where wealthy people have fit into the picture of the history of faith, starting with people like him, and then and then the fact that that Paul's ministry, that all the early churches would not be there if it weren't for people who could tithe quite a bit. Yeah, 
And I, that's a great example of uh, this is not an old concept, right? So you're giving an example from over 2,000 years ago sure. that still is relevant in today's world. However, though, I would like to know, do you know how to spell arithmetia, if I can even pronounce it correctly? And if you had to put, if I had to put <laughs> a coffee on the line, would you get it correct? But... Um, uh... Well, um, I'll get back to you. <laughs> All right. Good. Well, I'd have to Google test you anyways, so I'm not sure I know the answer there. Uh, and, I, and I think you bring up a good point is sometimes perception and reality, I told you, are off. But they're also off in a good way. There's many times where um, – and I'm on the board like for the Dreamweaver Foundation – um, I'm very involved in other charitable events. You know, I go, I go out, I participate one in California, um, you know, all, all throughout, of course, the Omaha metro area. There's a lot of great people that want to be anonymous because they don't want to be the front visible people mm-hmm. that you may wonder, like, why did so-and-so down the street who you perceive has wealth, why didn't they contribute or that type of thing? Not everybody wants their name on the building. Not everybody wants to be an honorary chair. Um, I've, uh, you know, been chair for several fundraisers. Um, I will tell you, the largest gifts come from places you're unaware of. And (laughs) it's so true uh, that there's a lot of wonderful people out there. They just don't want the limelight. And they probably don't want the limelight for two reasons. One, their values, right? That's just, it's part of their core values. That's not important to them. Mm-hmm. Number two is probably, I don't want to say selfish. It's just smart. As I think about those people, if they're that visible, guess what? They now become a target. And I just, I'm truly meaning in it that way. Uh, okay, great. Somebody knows I did that. Now the next charity is going to come to me. And say I did that. And again, not that they don't want to, but that's why uh, they do that. And I will tell you, there is a reciprocation effect amongst that community. Um, and actually, in my uh, what was really fun in my CAP class, we actually there was a group of us that did that together um, before we all took the exam, and it was a great idea sharing, networking. Um, it, we joke that sometimes philanthropy becomes known as the Tupperware party. Uh, and is like, okay, if I ask Josh, because you know what, hey, can you help me out? I am running this event. It's for kids. It's to help them. You know, could you help me out with $100? And you say, sure. Josh then asks Susie to help him out for an event for $100. Then Susie asks Paul for an event for $100. And what just happened? Mm-hmm. We just exchanging the hundred dollar bills across all of our Tupperwares uh, through that. But that's okay because we're helping each other out. Uh, And we know who the people are uh, that want to be involved. And and so for me, um, I will tell you most people, um, if if I can give them advice from the call or our podcast today Mm. is one, be reflective. Think about what's most important to you which charities line your value and, and go deep with them. But then two, save a little bit for that peanut butter. It's just, sometimes it just feels good. The instinctive, um, I can help someone. 
And I'll yeah. give you an example. Uh, uh, let's use this. Girl Scouts. Great, great cause. Mm-hmm. Sure. What's the big fundraiser for Girl Scouts? Cookies. Cookies, right? <laughs> um, you may you may call me you may call me crotchety old man here. Uh, <laughs> I refuse to buy cookies unless it's the kids there and the kid makes the ask. Right. And and my rationale why isn't that I don't want the money to go to there or I don't want to stop the hard driving parent. I want the kid to learn the value of how good it feels to make mm-hmm. the ask. Cause you get told no a lot in your life in all, all areas, how good it feels to make the ask and get a yes behind it, because that will probably spur behavior later in life that mm-hmm. keeps their charitable or their faith driven intent going down the road there. That's great. That's great. That's great. I, yeah. I, I, I read an article recently about a, um, a young guy who grew up in Pittsburgh and he went door to door asking for donations for his, um, his baseball team. And it was the seventies and he, he goes to one door, knocks on it and Mr. Rogers opened the door (laughs) and he went in, he said, you're Mr. Rogers. And he said, come on in, you know, and they sat down and talked and he, and nobody, he was early seventies and he was 11 or so. And nobody paid attention to kids, you know, especially in his world. I mean, his yeah. parents had obviously just been like, go raise money. They weren't with him or anything. And here Mr. Rogers takes his time to talk with him and to personify him. And he never forgot it. It changed him as a person. Yeah. Uh, we're impressionable. I heard a stat one time uh, that for people who like sports, if you think about um, your favorite you know, NFL or NBA or other franchise, and throw out, throw out like geographic. So if you grew up in Detroit, you're probably going to be a Detroit Lions fan. Well, actually, are there any Detroit Lions fans? I don't know. There's nobody in Detroit anymore. So but let's take, we'll take we're, we're here in Omaha, Nebraska. Sure. Yeah, there's geographic things on Kansas City and recency effects with their Super Bowl, of course. But Denver, San Francisco, or not San Francisco, Chicago. But this says at age seven, or it's really second grade, is when you're most impressionable. Uh, to pick your favorite sports team. And mm-hmm. it's always based on who's the best team that year. So if actually you think back, a lot of people <laughs> think about your professional teams you like, mm-hmm. and if they're not based within your geographic proximity, go look to see how successful they were when you were about in second grade. Yep. And I'm going to guess it's pretty close there. That Wow. That's pretty amazing. I mean, because I, I have a special place in my heart for the Chicago Bears who I have not followed since 1986 when I was in third grade. <laughs> Gee, what happened in 1985? 1985. That- we didn't even set this up, so I'm telling you, this is... I watch... This, that's the point of, uh, you know, when you ask me, yeah, I have a fortune of working with some very wealthy families and just some awesome people, uh, but it doesn't mean we're not talking to their kids or their grandkids or... One of the biggest questions we often get is how do I communicate with my family um, and how do we approach it? And so you, you have the chance um, to instill values like um, money's a tool and a resource. And yes, it helps us. Uh, but at the end of the day, I ask this question all the time. What is most important to you when I'm sitting down and we're doing financial planning? And what do you think the number one answer always is? Family. Family. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Absolutely. When you go look at how people spend their time. Now, I'm going to throw COVID out for a moment because <laughs> now we all want to get away from our family at times due to the proximity. <laughs> and I'm be a little tug-in-cheek, but the, the, the best way you can help with your family is to transfer family values. Mm-hmm. And so those are often faith-driven. Those are philanthropic-driven. Um, they can be business-driven and teaching them things like you know, one my youngest son mowing lawns and teaching him you know, how to build a business and how to take a flyers and how to build a ledger. Uh, all of those business skills that I love teaching him. And your daughter did a, a lemonade stand, if I remember right. I heard I heard an interview about that on the radio. She did at a young age, and she donated all that money to charity, which was super cool and her idea. Um, yeah, and so uh, I, I think one of the things that as I think about uh, this, this is a big part of society here is uh, your ability to share ideas and information with your kids because that's really how you influence the next generation. It's not, hey, I want to pass them on a million dollars and then they can buy a house. Yeah, but we all want to take care of our kids from a safety. And I always think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and going up Mm -hmm. uh, his Mm -hmm. value stack all the time. Uh, But when you feel the best is at the top and the top is self-actualization and self-actualization is maybe realizing the power of how you can help influence others in a good way. And that probably is a full circle back to where you started this at today is the negative connotation that people maybe have towards the wealthy. Why don't they do more? Why don't they help out? Put aside the 10% that don't focus on the other side. And the same should be said for ourselves as human beings is can we do that? And I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm guessing you're not uh, either, Josh, but I can, I'll, I'll search around for that after this. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's a continuous learning process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think I'll say thanks there, man. That's perfect. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> glad to be part of it. Uh, glad to know you're a Bears fan now. So I'll make sure <laughs> I remind you of that. I lived in Iowa at the time and for some reason, you know, all we had, you know, we didn't have a professional team. So it was just bears, 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 and they were everywhere. And I can, you know, Walter Payton, um, the fridge, you know, all these guys that I can't even name who's on the bears now. So there you go. (laughs) Thanks guys for tuning in. Um, but, uh, Paul is one of those guys who's working, uh, with almost like an unreached people group up in the, the um the upper levels um and uh um, and he is there shining the light of christ um where it's needed because it's needed everywhere that's that pax humana cheers